You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. I'm going to preach on Gideon tonight. Um, Justine said to me, uh, she said, Ed, I'm so glad you're not doing that message from this morning. And uh, I said, oh, oh thanks. Thanks, Justine. Um, but no, the, the, she, said, um, she, she said, because there were so many of Banner Castle in Richmond this morning. So there was a, there was a second part to it, which, uh, yeah, we were all pleased came. Because, uh, yeah, I was already slightly insecure about how it went. But no, it was good. It was good. So, um, so I, I've, I've burnt the notes from there. And we're starting, we're starting afresh uh, from, from Gideon uh, today. And um, Gideon, there's some weird bits in this story. Uh, sort of people uh, lapping water like dogs and, and stuff like that, which is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to getting to that bit. But um, I guess the, the backdrop in, in Judges 6 is, is that the Israelites, who are God's people, that he has brought out of Egypt and supernaturally provided for time and time again, have once again let him down. And this is kind of a repeated generational pattern that probably every 40 years or so, these guys would fall away from God. And because, because the previous generation never passed down the things of God to, uh, to the, the current generation. So there, there, was, there was never a strong, rooted faith in God. That there, were, there was hearsay and there were stories or whatever. But, but, and we, we as people, we don't want to be like that, do we? We, we want to pass down what it is to walk obediently with God yeah. to the generation that's coming in behind us. Otherwise, there won't be anyone coming in behind and we just become relics, don't we? And you see that in some churches today that were once, you know, built for the glory of God, booming and so lives being transformed and are now stuck with, you know, if David Foster walked in, he would be known as young man, you know. <laughs> Uh, and he is still, uh, you know, he's a seasoned age, but, um, but uh, he's, uh, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so, so these, guys ne- these guys never really um, passed that on. And, you know, um, but there, there comes this point in, in Judges 6 where, once again, they're so desperate that they, they begin, it, it says, um, to cry out to God for help. So, so it, it Instead of this being the way they were living, it becomes like their, their desperation. They cry out to God. And who knows that God is faithful? That, that, that actually, even though they may have forgotten their first love, he had not forgotten them as a group of people. Um, and God hears their cry and he answers it. And in Judges 6, he turns up. Uh, he says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to someone, the someone, um, where, where his, uh, I don't know that, so, so, come on, come on, uh, Ian, can you give us a, oh, the Abazite, well, Abazite, yeah, we've all felt like that, where, um, where his son Gideon was fresh in wheat in a, a wine press to keep it from the Midianites, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, 
Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So there's the the rumblings and the rumors of the things that God had done in the past. And then it says, the Lord turned to him and said, and you notice how it, it starts by saying the angel of the Lord, but it's clearly God. Because it it now says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And again, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. Very polite young man. Um, (laughs) He says, Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites leaving none alive, which is a a fantastic epic blockbuster moment, isn't it? They're they're all going to die. But um, it's it's interesting where we we find this guy, Gideon, and many of you will be familiar with this maybe particular part of the story because Gideon is freshing wheat in a wine press. Now, I don't particularly know a great deal about farming. I know I'm from Cumbria, and it's renowned for not knowing much outside of farming. But... um, (laughs) But, in, in, um, but from what, what I can gather, that fresh in the wheat is sort saw, saw in the good crop from the bad crop. Uh, and it would be done outside. They say sorting the wheat from the chaff, don't they? And that, that, that's what the fresh in wheat um, process would have done, usually probably on top of a hill so as that the, the bad bits would blow away or, or whatever. But we, we find Gideon doing this inside a wine press, which is obviously meant for pressing wine. So uh, this guy, in other words, is looking for privacy. He's hiding. Uh, he doesn't want to be found. But yet the angel of God finds him in this private hideout and, and says to him these words, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, Gideon, as far as we know, was nothing other than an insignificant child, really. Uh, he certainly didn't feel like uh, his self-assessment was, you know, his family are hopeless and he's the worst of them, really. So, so he, he didn't particularly see anything in himself, yet the call of God was, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Am I not sending you? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know when if you've ever felt like that, you felt that there's a call of God on your life, you felt that, that God has positioned you somewhere or that God has come and met you somewhere and has put something on your life to go and do, yet your self-assessment of yourself is like that of Gideon. You're the weakest of the weakest. You're the worst of the worst. You're, you're hopeless. You're, you, know, you, you don't know what I'm really like. But the amazing thing is God does. Uh, And there's so much more inside of us. There is more in us than we know because we carry the light and the love of God inside of us. And you see what happens next is God and Gideon have a little bit of fun. um, Because uh, Gideon decides to put God to the test. Because he wants to know, is it really God who's sending him? Like, am I hearing this right? And so so he, he presents him with a few tests and God passes the test because he's God, really. You know, um, it's pretty simple. Um, so so then, then it goes on in, in chapter 7 that Gideon summons an army to come and fight him against the Midianite army. And he summons 32,000 men, warriors ready for battle. And, you know, um, I don't know about you, but can you imagine feeding them all? It'd be a bit of pressure, wouldn't it? 
And can you also imagine Pete being last in the queue? <laughs> can you? You know, it's pressure. When, when we were away with the kids at the getaway, it was always the polite thing that the leaders went last. And uh, there was always that little bit of pressure of, is there going to be enough? Because some of the leaders enjoyed eating, you know, myself being included within that presumption of leaders. So, um, uh, but, but there was, you know, the Lord provided. But, so, so, so Gideon summons this army of 32,000 men to fight the Midianites. And we think that sounds impressive. But what you need to remember is that Midian had 135,000 men. Okay, so, so uh, they're already way outnumbered. But you think, with 32,000 men, they, they've, they've got a chance. I mean, the, the odds are slim, aren't they? It's like Bolton playing Man City, isn't it? You know, the odds are slim, but there's a chance. Um, but, um, but then it says this, that in, in Judges 7, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian uh, into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My strength has saved me. You know, even with 32,000 men against 135,000 men, God knew that it was too many. The, the, sometimes the thing is that, that God deserves and needs to get the glory because he's God. Uh, and it, he knows what we're like as humans, that it's so easy for us to actually say, well, I did that. You know, well, I, I preached well, and that's why people were saved. And, you know, so, so what he likes to do is use clowns like me. Uh, and and the people can't possibly say that, that it was anything other than God because it's God. Uh, and God likes to get the glory. So, so he, he knew that the 32,000 men, that it was too much. So, so he says, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. So suddenly this army of 32,000 is down to 10,000 because 22,000 men were scared. It says, that, you know, they, they feared. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Um, if, if I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water and there the Lord uh, told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. And then it says this, 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Gideonites, the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below them in the valley. Tense moment, okay? So it, interesting to, to see that the, these 32,000 drops to 10,000, drops to 300, which leaves them somewhere around the 400 to 1 outnumbered mark, something loosely, I'm making that up, but, you know, they're, they're totally outnumbered. The 135,000 men against 300 men, it's a near impossibility, but God has assured them victory. And therefore, if the promise keeper is, is a faithful promise keeper, then it's going to come true. So therefore, if God has, has declared victory in your life, if God has declared victory in this town, then, then because of who he is, we know he's faithful. Yeah. So, that, so, so therefore, whether it's 300, whether it's 10,000, whether it's 32,000, you know, it doesn't matter because he's faithful. Yeah. 
And, you know, I don't know what situations are happening in your life. And it feels like a near impossibility, yet you're, you're sure that God has called you. Or you're sure there's a breakthrough coming. You've been praying, you've been receiving words of confirmation, and yet nothing is changing. Can I tell you, God is faithful. Um, and it's, it's interesting that he uses these, these 300 people who, uh, who he said, uh, cupped and lapped the water like a dog. Now, the, the, this is fairly ridiculous, but it, it's actually a, a, like a, a military way of uh, uh, sorting people out because, um, you know, the ones who knelt down and got comfortable weren't prepared for battle. They, you know, they turned their back. They thought, oh, it's safe to kneel down, get down in the water, uh, not knowing what was going on around them at all. But the others were alert all the time. They were ready and they were prepared for battle. So, so, so the, you know, and I, I think that the two reasons that people left are, are some of the two reasons that prevent us from really doing things for God. One, one is that we, we live in fear. Uh, some of us, you know, fear... Um, anything, you know, we, and we, we certainly can have a fear of the enemy and, uh, and fear of what he might do and all of this, and, uh, and we kind of just live in this place of fear, and then we do nothing for God. And the other is this place of comfortable, being comfortable, chilled out, uh, forgetting that actually there, there is work to do, there's a, battle to, there's a battle to take place, and actually we just get comfortable in our Christianity, we're just hanging out uh, and actually, God is looking for people who are willing to look ridiculous, to, to actually get down and to, to, to scoop the water up and lap it like a dog. That's the expression that, that is given, to, to lap the water like a dog. Uh, and it seems almost like a ridiculous way of doing it. But sometimes with God, the, the miracle is on the other side of something that sounds ridiculous. It's on the other side of something that sounds stupid. And, and, and sometimes we as people can almost feel like, well, we're not going to do that because we're English and we're proper. And, uh, you know, or, or sometimes we've got an image to keep up. Sometimes we think we're almost, you know, too cool to, to do anything. And, you know, none of that is going to cut it when things really go wrong in life or, or when we really want to make a difference uh, for God in life that cool does not cut it. The keeping up an image, keeping up appearances doesn't cut it. Sometimes, like, and God has a great sense of humor. And if you read the Bible, you see that there's so many stories of people who had to do something that seemed ridiculous. But yet in that, he got the glory. He, you know, if we're willing to be humble, uh, then, then, then God, uh, there's room for God to move. So, so these guys... Uh, 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 have obviously been sorted out and there's 300 of them uh, they're ready and attentive uh, and then um, between God and Gideon they, they've got to carve out this battle plan of what they're going to do with these 300 and we, we just read at the end there that it says um, the, the, the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others um, and then it, in Judges 7 16 to 22 um, it, it says it says this, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed a trumpet and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Because, you know, usually within a, uh, an army of that size, there would have been 300 trumpets. So by the time everyone g went home, there's only 300 men left. And there's 300 trumpets. So they all got armed with a trumpet. 
and an empty jar with a torch inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. I find this kind of interesting because the Midianites possibly didn't really know who the Lord was, but they knew that Gideon was from the Lord. So they had to shout for the Lord and for Gideon that it may be, uh, you know, been slightly more concerned, shall we say. So Gideon and, and, and the hundred men that were with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth Shittar, um, towards Zeraha, um, as for the border of somewhere, etc. It's not relevant. So, um, <laughs> it's loosely relevant perhaps to, to some people, but uh, I already felt like I said a bad word there, so I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> I lost my confidence on that one. Uh, didn't look at the others in case it gets worse. So, but th- th- this would make a really good blockbuster. Uh, I think that, you know this is absolutely sort of just like gripping tent stuff. That this this army led by Gideon uh, all just begin to smash the jars and blow the trumpets and shout. That's all they did. For the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. That, that's all they shouted. And yet the, these 135,000 men in the bottom of the valley all begin to turn on each other with their swords. They all panic. They all kill each other. And the victory is there for Gideon and his men. And, you know, the, 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 there is this utter chaos that, that breaks out and um, the victory is the Lord's. What was impossible was made possible because of who God is. Not because of Gideon, not because of a strategic battle plan, but because of who God is. And, you know, sometimes we may feel as a church small in number, but when we know who God is, we know that he can make the impossible possible. And, and I, I think one of the things I really felt that God was speaking to me about was I, I felt that this is so significant that they all carried a jar and a trumpet. Um, because and at the opportune moment when they're holding these jars, at the opportune moment they smash them and the light of God shines out. Not, well, not the light of God, the torch shines out. Uh, and from the top of the hill, looking out at the top of the hill from the valley in the middle of the night, to see such a glow and hearing these trumpets, the, the, the Midianites would have thought, who the heck is coming for us? How many of them are there? We can just see this big glow on the horizon. Uh, and, um, you know, God, God hasn't called us to keep his light inside a jar. God has called us to smash the jar and to let his light shine out. You, you know, when, when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 that we carry this treasure in a human vessel, the, the treasure of God in a human vessel, it isn't something that, that we can 
um, keep to ourselves, but actually it's for the world to see. And I've, I think um, that it, it's so key that we get that tonight, that, that part of the battle plan that God has for Barnard Castle is for us to smash the jars. It's, it's for us to know that we are equipped with the light and the love of God. Uh, and the inside of us, all we've got to do is smash the light and allow God to work in us and through us. And, and I think it's so significant that they all carried a trumpet as well. The ability to make a noise. Uh, and and the, the, there's something symbolic in a battle about a trumpet, you know, the, and something biblical about the trumpet. That um, f- Firstly, it was a call to war. It was a call to assemble. And it was a call to march. Uh, and, and if you think of uh, histor- historically things in the Bible that happened when the walls of Jericho fell after the trumpet was sounded for seven days and they marched around, the walls fell. There was something symbolic about the trumpet. And I think the fact that each of these men were armed with a trumpet and, um, is significant. And I really feel like that that is a symbolic of making a noise for the kingdom of God. It's saying that we are ready to march. We are ready to make a difference. We're ready to be part of what you're doing here, God. We're ready to step out of our comfort zone. We're willing to hold the jar, to smash it on the ground, to let the light shine out. We're willing to blow a trumpet. We realize the combination of the two look fairly ridiculous, but we know that the breakthrough is on the other side of something ridiculous. There is so much more inside of us and we know, you know, when, when, when God says to Gideon, go in the strength you have, am I not sending you? Tonight, I really feel God wants us to get hold of that revelation. That it, if we're just willing to go in the strength that we have, which is his strength. And maybe for some of you, that feels like it's a, a little bit of courage or, you know, a, a little bit of faith even. Um, you've got to know that God is sending you. You think of Gideon and, and he felt insignificant and he came up with excuses and he, he needed to double check in with God. You know how some of us need to double check in with God and just say, have you absolutely got this right? Would you mind just showing me again? And I feel that there's some of you in this room have been double checking, triple checking. You know, you, 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 you've been wanting confirmation from here, here, here and here. Uh, and maybe tonight is just as simple as saying go. God, I'll go. Some of you have been perhaps waiting years for that extra confirmation, even though you've had 10 uh, or you've had 20 or, you know, it was laid out so clearly for you. But God is just saying, like he said to Gideon, go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? And some of you just need to trust the word of the Lord tonight. You just need to smash the jar and blow the trumpet. Uh, because it isn't about us being strong. You know, when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, doesn't he? He says, um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It isn't about us. It's about who's inside of us. Uh, And it's knowing that he is the one who can do all things. Uh, And um, 
you know, if we're just willing to give him the little that we have, just as Gideon was to go in the strength he had, then we can trust God. You know, there's, this, there's incredible statements in the Bible, you know, where, where, where it says things like, we can trample on snakes and scorpions and not be harmed. Like, you know, I'm hoping there's none in here tonight. You know, I'm not really up for that. But, you know, but, but it, it, it's showing actually that we as a people are protected. We are protected by God. So some of us, are, I think, are so fearful, like, like those, like those 22,000 men who just had to leave because they were scared stiff. Some of us are so fearful, but I feel like God wants you to know that you are protected in this place tonight. Uh, and if you think of some of, some of the, the, the people um, in, in the Bible who were just willing to step out, to, to, to smash the jar, to blow the trumpet. You know, you, th- you think of Peter and John healing the crippled beggar, or more accurately, Jesus using them to heal the crippled beggar. Uh, and, you know, he, it says he was born that way. He thought that was his lot in life. But yet two people came out who, who were making a noise, who weren't hiding their light. And that man's life was changed. You know, it's a silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. It wasn't about Peter and John, but it was about them being vessels and carriers of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you go back a chapter when, when, um, to, to Acts 2, when Peter stands up and addresses this massive crowd. You know, the same Peter who I was sharing about uh, this morning, who had denied Jesus um, three times, who, who had a bit of a temper. If, if we go down to the bottom of his preach... It says that 3,000 people were added to his number that day. Why? Because it says that Peter stood up, addressed the crowd. He was willing to make a stand. He was willing to raise his voice. He was willing not to hide the light of God inside of him, knowing he had full confidence in who God was. And I really feel for us as a group of people in here, in, in Banner Castle tonight, and all that you've been praying for and that, that feeling that what, what, what you've been praying for has been accomplished, that it's almost like a commissioning tonight, that actually you, you are released to go and be the light and love of Jesus Christ to this community, that actually we don't need another word. We just need to go. And, and um, we're going to ask the band to come back up now. And um, I've, I've asked um, Cav... Uh, to, to come and play his trumpet uh, along with the band tonight. And um, almost like a, a, a symbolic call for us to march, a symbolic um, a call to arms so that we're ready to, to take up um, the, this call to go and see our community changed. And I, I believe tonight that, you know, if you um, obviously the... The, the biblical version of the trumpet was the shofar, which um, Cav said does actually keep one in his car, but um, they're incredibly tuneless. So um, I thought it would be better to get him on the old trumpet because otherwise it's painful. Um, but, um, and they also have a bit of a smell, don't they, when you blow them. So, um, but, but, but tonight, God, God is looking for a group of people who are willing, who are willing, to smash the jar, who are willing to blow the trumpet, who are willing to continually pray, 
who are willing to walk around until the walls fall down, who are willing to see breakthrough, who are willing to love a community enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, the, 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 um, if you think of some of the things that are, are battling this community right now, when you think of the wider world and whatever, you think the suicide rate is pretty ridiculous. Depression um, is ridiculous. Poverty is ridiculous. Sickness is ridiculous. But what have we been saying tonight? The breakthroughs on the other side are ridiculous. That actually God wants to come and move in people's lives. But, but he, he, he wants to use a messed up, broken, insignificant, funny looking, slightly smelly at times people. Sorry, I don't know why I looked at you, Pete, because you're not, you're good. He showers at least once a day. But God's just looking for willing people. He, he doesn't care who you are. And you, you know, when, when I was prepping this message, and I'll be honest with you, I, I cried my eyes out. I I'd sat and I wept and I wept. And th- this was about half eight in the morning on a Friday. And I was, I was just like, just totally moved for seemingly no reason. And I, 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 and I just began to say to myself, like, what have I made this about? You know, we get so busy with doing things and, you know, putting things in boxes and whatever, but half of it, most of it, isn't important when it just comes to loving people and believing we want to see them changed. And I was just like, oh, flipping heck. I need to go and cut the grass, which at half eight in the morning is slightly damp and it's not good, but I just needed a minute. Because, because I just was really stirred and just felt my heart break for God's heart again. I, I, you know, I, had, I, I remember that, you know, that I've got some incredible stories of being used by God to see people's lives change. Random people on the street. You know, I, I think of a guy called Frankie who um, was a heroin addict. Uh, and we happened by coincidence or God incidence to, to walk into his path in Darlington, and just our eyes met, we ended up praying for him, he ended up receiving Jesus, he ended up coming through to church and getting baptized, and and now although he is in heaven, he is in heaven, in the arms of God, but I was thinking, the, the stories I have of the Frankies and stuff, they're all historic in my life, and I was like, what? What have I become? What have I made this about? The, I believe one of the things that God has given me is the gift of evangelism, to see people's lives change, to, to, to come alongside people. But I get so busy or get so boxed in with different things. And I was just like, I just want to smash the jar. I just want to blow the trumpet. I, I, I want the passion of 23-year-old Ed, who, who was willing to just see young people's lives change, who would pray prayers like, I want the worst. Bring them to elevate. I, I don't care who they are. You know, we don't just want the ones who are being bullied, but we want the bullies. We want them all in together in this crazy, messed up youth ministry. And we want to share the love of Jesus with them. That was me at 23 years old. And at 33 years old, I don't want everything to be historic. 
There's people in this room who have done incredible things for Jesus. Uh, And you've got stories that you can share and and whatever. But we want to be a people who take it right back to the start, who are passing on to the generation below us that God is alive and he's still changing lives today. And therefore, we need to smash the jar. Therefore, we need to be people who are carrying the light of God, who are blowing the trumpet. So tonight, we're going to blow the trumpet as a commission call for us as people to go again for Barnard Castle. To, 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 as a, the end of this prayer and fasting and your encounter night and whatever else. This is our call to go. We've been called to assemble. We've been called to arms. And we've been called to march. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.